everybody, welcome back to another episode of Turdy for Turdy. If this is your first time listening to our show, it's um, a podcast where we basically talk about uh, some sports history or, or you know, uh, well, it's always sports related and it's always got a little history, wouldn't you say? Mom, Wait, did you trick me into like learning stuff? Exactly. That's why I just didn't want to finish that sentence I was saying because you would catch on, and I don't. Oh, I can't I'm, have you figuring that out. I'm done. You know, you just said, "Hey, we're going to talk about sports," and you know, yeah, I was like, "I like sports." You know, and I don't care who knows. We're shooting hoops to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Pass me the rock. <laughs> so you can always join in the conversation with us. Uh, at Turdy for Turdy on Twitter. You know, it's a very classy, classy gentleman. Whoa, name. it's got that new email smell. And then you could also always email us at tftpodcast2018 at gmail.com. Oh, wait, you said the Twitter handle first. I'm stupid. Yeah, well, that's okay. You know, people tell me I don't listen, and then I say, um, I'm sorry, can you repeat that? It's really funny that they tell you don't listen when your whole job on this episode or on this show is to actually listen. Well, what the viewers or uh, listeners will realize <laughs> later is that I don't really listen. I just say what I want to say when I say it, and say or what you need to say. or I just you know don't say it. Or maybe I think that I'm saying rational things, but they're not rational. And then I go on rants about things that make no sense. But in my head, at the time, they make sense. And then when I listen to them the next week, they don't make sense. But, you know, and they all And children, came from that's the heart. why you should not do cocaine. <laughs> Let's get this Whoa. party started. Hey, hey, you know, don't throw that one out there. I'm like, you know, if, if caffeine's cocaine, then, you know, guilty. <laughs> all right, so... Do you remember um, at the Winter Olympics this year, the North Koreans all in the stands of um, the hockey tournament, like chanting and singing and just having those ridiculous, like orchestrated giant, like fan activities? Um, I Yes, I remember like they had a whole like group cheer section thing. It was very Children of the Corn-y. Exactly. And they even put on masks at one point, which was really strange. I thought maybe it was just like Kim Jong Un and like cloned himself, and there was just a bunch of them there. I think you know what's funny is I feel like since that's a country that's notoriously terribly ran and has no food or anything, um, that they just literally like imprison these people from their families and then force fed them whatever food was left in the country, leaving everybody else to starve, or maybe even force fed them their, their own families without telling them. And, like, we're like, we're going to hurt you if you don't do this. And, you know, that was their, their punishment, was going to sit at the Olympics and have synchronized cheers. Well, other than the synchronized cheers, it looked like a good time to them. But it did bring up a question to me, like, how did North Koreans get into hockey? That was my, that was my big question. Uh, and then well, that brought a bigger question of... Like, what are sports in North Korea like at all? Because this is a country that has a lot of forced national pride. So I was just, I was very curious oh. as to how the sports scene in North Korea was. And you Andrew, know what I did? Andrew, I forgot about it till now. I oh absolutely my. forgot to look all of that up when I, during the Olympics when I wanted to. And I forgot about it till about two days ago where that question popped into my head again. 
Are you telling me that this episode is about North Korean sports? You would be correct. Oh man, I would. I did not see this coming. I'm, I'm more excited than a pedophile at a park. What kind of park? Like a nature reserve? No, like a park, just you know, in a neighborhood. Maybe one like near a school. Well, jokes on you. You wouldn't be able to be in that park because you wouldn't be allowed within a hundred well, yards of a school. I mean, like close enough to a school where kids would walk by on their way home and be like, "Oh, I'm gonna go to the park." Um, but far enough away from the school to where, you know, it'd be okay. Okay, so... From a legal standpoint, it's never okay. <laughs> I don't really uh, know the laws of, you know, having to stay away from people. That's probably good that you don't know those off the top of your head. Yeah, I mean, if I did, then it would probably mean that I had something, you know, going against me that way. And I totally don't, you know, I'm, I'm a perfectly rational human being. That, you know, no means no. And kids mean go away. Okay, so... Stranger danger. We're gonna... Let's get started here. Our story today starts in 2013, actually. Um, here's your song and movie for 2013. Top song was... Hey, can I preface this? If this is some foreign thing, I'm gonna be mad at you because... This 2013, America's got the world on lock. It's if, not. If you, you're, if you you're, throw you're out some shape. French song shape. or some clarinetist, you know, squilliam type guy, I'm going to get mad. No, you're good. Because the top song of 2013 was actually Thrift Shopped. But Wait, I, Thrift Shop came out that, that long ago? Yes, but I totally disagree with the stats here. Everybody knows the top song of 2013 was actually Blurred Lines. Everybody get up. Man, those songs did not hold up well because I don't, I don't even remember the you last mean, time never I heard go back either and of those. Listen to blurred lines, just um, on your own. I like going back and listening to the Kids Bop version of um, what's thrift it called shop. of Thrift Shop because that's it's like has the best censorship in the entire world. Uh, 2013, the top movie. I also disagree with this because even though I'm like disagreeing with statistics on like cells and stuff. Which you can't really disagree with. But the top movie of 2013 was Gravity. But number two was Wolf of Wall Street, which to me is an infinitely better movie. The fact that Wolf of Wall Street was even up there with how over the top that movie was is just like a testament to how much Leonardo DiCaprio can sell a movie. God, that movie's so good. It's like a three-hour movie that doesn't feel like it's three hours at all. Oh, I remember when we watched that... Uh... I was kind of like, I didn't even realize, it felt like a, we sat there for an hour, and it was like, oh, that was actually a pretty long movie. So good. Um, so. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I didn't think Gravity was bad, but I feel like everybody just, you know, was like, hey, look, it's this movie, it's space, Sandra Bullock, Earthy, yeah, George Clooney. I fell asleep. Yeah, it was, I, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it, but... It was one of those that, you know, you, those movies that win awards just aren't my cup of tea usually because it's like they got that, like, pretentious, some guy shaking the camera on purpose and he's probably like a douche and, like, says really, like, douchey things to people he knows. And he's like, ooh, look at me, I am filming a movie. I've I... casted several great actors. I have the George Clooney and, you know, Miss Congeniality herself, Sandra Bullock. 
I like a lot of those like award-winning movies, but I have, I, and I don't even have specific tastes. I just like the ones I like, like, and it's not for the artsy aspect. It has to be all mixed together. Well, like to me, shape of water does that. Like it's, it's oh. very artsy, but the story's good. There's some humor in it. Like but it's just see, a good all around movie. That's cause it has Guillermo de Toro. And I like Guillermo de Toro, even though I can't say his name and like <laughs> his character creation. But you know, you know, a movie I really didn't get that was like award winner, the room, like, Hey, I have to like that movie was so great, and it was just some weird like old dude, like screaming at people. The movie had no plot, you know. I I don't know. I I thought like I saw a, a you know a chick and a young child like when they were talking about it, but then when I looked it up, you know, it was just some some awkward sex scenes and you know a guy that I couldn't tell if he was a like a child or an adult. So I think you watched the wrong room. Uh, wait, there's two of them. Yeah, but we're going to go on with our story. I'll, I'll explain that to you off here. You're tearing me apart! In 2013, former NBA player Dennis Rodman did what most people either can't do or won't do. He traveled to Pyongyang to meet with North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un. The Supreme the- Leader is a huge fan of 90s basketball and was hosting an exhibition game with three former Harlem Globetrotters. Can I tell you that, like, the most exciting thing I've had on this show with all, like, four episodes we've had is the fact that you just started off this thing with saying Dennis Rodman did something that nobody would expect (laughs) him to do. Because Dennis Rodman is, like, the craziest person in the entire world. And that's That's, not even, like, an argument. That is true. I I didn't think about it like that when I was writing this, but you're right. If anybody was going to do something crazy and stupid, Dennis Rodman would would be, like, one of the first people to come to my mind. We grew up seeing pictures of him in magazines wearing wedding dresses. (laughs) I honestly, I thought he was gay for, like, the longest time. I was very confused. The wedding dress, when I was a kid, like... It just didn't click with me. And now I realize how, like, stupid that sounds and how, like, not how I didn't understand everything that goes into, you know, gender and sexuality and all that stuff. But I just assumed he was gay when I saw him in a dress when I was a kid. Very confused. He was just a little bike curious. <laughs> so while Dennis Rodman did not call himself a diplomat, he still had a goal of bridging relations between North Korea and the United States. So. That's where we're starting, but we're going to come back to this later. I just want to I just want to give you a little fill in about how this show's going to end. So, while this is one of the more famous North Korean sports stories in recent memory, it's not the only one. So, we're going to go back and look at some big moments in North Korean sports history and how they've connected them and disconnected them from the rest of the world. I'm I'm excited. I can't even contain myself. So the history of sports in North Korea is both empty and a little complicated. There's not a lot of information that's gotten out, but the information that we do have is kind of strange. So can I, I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting, but like information, like a country that's so set off from the rest of the world, like how does information get out, especially about sports? Like is these guys, are these people like, it's either like that's something they did on the like entire world stage or if it's something that's like a North Korean only sport, that means like someone literally smuggled that out of the country. Be like, you need to know what happened in this boxing match that happened in North Korea. <laughs> Actually, I think what really happened is more of the like sports stories that we have that came out of the country, like domestic sports stories, the stuff that they want us to know about, like the rest of the world to know about. 
So, um, one of the first sports to ever be popular in North Korea was actually hockey. That's um, very surprising from a place that doesn't have snow, I don't think. I'm not a geographer, though. So, it was brought over in the 1950s by both Russian and Chinese workers. And that's what I, I found was that, that it said Russian and Chinese workers, but how exactly did it get to China? And then it clicked. Well, it's obviously, all Soviet Union and communism stuff yeah, that connected I, all that. Damn it, I was about to make that joke. In Soviet Russia, hockey play you! So, the, the sport became a popular pastime and the country has played in international tournaments ever since. There is no professional league, so it is played at an amateur level. In 2016, Michael Spaver, a Canadian, brought a big exhibition tournament to the country. Since 2001, his company, Peck2 Cultural Exchange, has worked to bring different events uh, to North Korea in an attempt to broaden their worldview. He is one of the few people from the West that has had a relationship with Kim Jong-un. That's very interesting that a Canadian guy, like the stereotypically nicest people in the entire world, would... I mean, it makes sense they would reach out to him. Like, hey, I know... Hey, hey, bud, I know you're like a terrible dictator and whatnot, but, you know, I uh, I really like to talk to you about um, our lord and savior, hockey. <laughs> so, well, I mean, the Canadians don't really have any beef with North Korea outside of... They the don't have beef with anybody... Has. I'm yeah, pretty sure true. you could, like, take a Canadian and shoot his mom in the face in front of you and be like, oh, sorry, pal. She, she got probably a little bit of blood on coming. you. Yeah, you know, she she, she uh, yelled at me the other day. It was, it was you know, I, I, I had a hard time with it. So Spaver saw an advertisement for a hockey game in 2005 and talked to the locals into letting him watch. He talked to some of the organizers and coaches about hosting an exhibition that would involve Canadian and European players. He also got some American players involved. He was also pivotal in organizing the Rodman meeting uh, that I mentioned earlier. And so what happened was during the Rodman meeting, Spaver was able to meet with officials from the Ministry of Sports, a group of people that he had never actually got to meet. And that's like the government, um, that's like the government, uh, like organization that controls all, Wait, all sports in, in so, North Korea. So he had previously met Kim Jong-un the glorious dictator of the world, but not the sports committee? No, I don't... Uh, yes. Yes and no. I think he had some connect connections in their government, but I don't think he was really given like full access to talk to everybody he needed to to put something like this together. I mean, I just imagine this like Canadian guy wearing full like hockey attire, you know, sitting on some chairs, you know, in the middle of Pyongyang, um, drinking margaritas. <laughs> so because Rodman came over that's what actually opened the door for him to be able to uh, to do this well if you love basketball you will love hockey <laughs> they're played in the same arenas yeah you know one you just gotta put a wooden floor on top of a frozen floor and you, you know you throw a basket or a, a ball around and have to hit it up into a basket um, the other one, you get a bunch of crazy people who aren't afraid to lose all their teeth, ram into each other at full speeds while they hit a giant piece of frozen rubber at each other. They're almost the same sport. Similar. So he had had success planning other events, but the hockey tournament ended up being one of the trickier ones he had to plan. 
The Pyongyang International Friendship Ice Hockey Exhibition. That was the name of it. That's a very, um, you know, I feel like they could have put that like in that acronym or something. Yeah. Piff. Or just said like, hey, it's hockey. Come see. It'll take your mind off the fact you're starving to death slowly. Piffy he. It would be a terrible acronym too. Um, it was scheduled to take place uh, from March 7th to March 12th, 2014. In January of that year, Spaver was having dinner with some of his North Korean colleagues when some major news broke. North Korea had a successful hydrogen bomb test. Oh, no. His colleagues were ecstatic and told him all about it. I couldn't hear what was happening, and they mentioned, Oh, our country has announced our proving that they have this kind of capability. Spaver feared that they would have to delay the event. I wonder why. Yeah, I don't know if if I had a bunch of people really excited that they just developed one of the most deadly bombs in you know the entire world history. Um, I would also be scared. Hey, you know, don't def- you know? Come over to this uh, this other country over here. I know we got bombs and stuff going off, but it's a safe place. Look at me. <laughs> hey, uh, hey there, pal. You know. We got hockey, we got hydrogen weaponry, you know, you know, it, it, it's a blast. <laughs> yes. He feared that people would drop out and that North Korea wouldn't, wasn't really on anyone's travel plans. Another um, issue. Can you, over- can, I'm sorry <laughs> to interrupt you. Can you even like, if I were to go to like, you know, the airport tomorrow and be like, hey, I like to fly to North Korea. Can I do that? I don't think no, I can. You have to. Have, you have to have special privileges to get in. Yeah, you can't it's like just be like one ticket to the North Korea, please. I need two tickets to paradise. I need two <laughs> tickets to Pyongyang. <laughs> so he had another issue come up when American tourist Otto Warmbier was sentenced to 15 years of hard labor for bad behavior. Wait, was this the guy that we just, like, heard a lot of stuff about recently? Yeah, he's the one that got back to the United States and then died of an illness later well, on. It was no, I'm pretty sure they delivered him back to the United States brain dead. Yeah, yeah, something happened. I don't, I don't it remember was, the It was like, thing, we're going to bring this guy back, and it's like, cool, nobody knew anything about it. And then, like, it turned out he'd been, like, he was, like, brain dead. And it's like, oh, well, thanks. So because of that arrest, Spaver received a very stern email from the U.S. State Department that uh, they requested be shared with the American players at the tournament. And it said, if you insist on going to into North Korea despite the advice in our travel warning, behave like a Boy Scout troop visiting someone's grandmother for tea. <laughs> That's, you know, nothing says America like tea. Be unfla- unfailingly polite and respectful. Behavior that would be dismissed as hijinks and shenanigans here could land you in jail there. Wait until you leave to have your rowdy post-game celebration. Who wrote that? Like, somebody that's, like, 70 years old, he's like, keep those hijinks and shenanigans at home. Hey there, whippersnappers. I don't want no horseplay on your travels abroad. You know, I I can't, you know, you can't be over there uh, with your hijinks, you know, and your tiddlywinks and whatnot. Don't get rowdy. Yeah, don't get no rowdy thoughts in your mind. You know, we got to play nice with all them people over there, and we can't have you over there, you know, hooping and hollering. So, so Spaver admitted that the reputation of hockey players had him nervous as well. 
We mainly strategized to have a lot of time on the ice so they'd be tired and not drinking all night. <laughs> and it's true. Uh, let me, I'll finish this quote, but I'll tell you something else. We wanted it to be really serious about sport and focused on that. So what they did was they scheduled them to play like two games a day and have practices in between to the point where they would just burn them out and they would just be like so tired they just went to bed after after they played hockey all day. Um, can I, can I, you know, from... <laughs> If I was going to North Korea, I would be terrified the whole time, no matter, like, anything. I I don't know, you know, if I would even want to, like, even look at the nightlife. I would be so scared that if I walked down the streets, I would accidentally see something I wasn't supposed to be able to see and just disappear. Like, oh, I accidentally went to a real grocery store that showed that they actually have no food instead of, you know, the staged little chubby kid stand on the corner with the balloon in front of the store that's full of plastic produce or something like that. Yeah, I don't know if it goes exactly like that. That was kind of a movie thing. But there isn't a lot of nightlife to be had, so I think their biggest fear is that these guys would like bring in their own alcohol or find alcohol somewhere and be like out on the street drinking and get arrested and it's it makes sense. Like you know, hockey players do have a tendency to party pretty hard if you remember Ovechkin walking around with a Stanley Cup full of beer for like two months after. Well, one. you know, A, he's Russian, and B, he deserved that. Uh, that's I, actually I don't true. Like, he probably could get away with it in North Korea. They'd be yeah. like, yeah, he's one of us. I don't, I'm not a fan of the Capitals, but like if there's anybody that I don't mind their ridiculous over-celebration... It's Ovechkin. Yeah, I don't know if there's anybody that can really dislike Ovechkin, maybe yeah. other than Pittsburgh the, fans. This, like, this, I like him, too. It's this hard dude not was, to. He's just like this big toothless smile and and chugging beer out of a cup that, you know, hundreds of people had drank out of without cleaning it. Uh, so the schedule was so packed that the players actually had to request time to go sightseeing. Um. But support for the event was still pretty high, and so the exhibition ended up going on. Um, so while the hockey tournament was relatively smooth, there's also been a few violent issues that have come up in sports with North Korea, and especially with the Olympics. So uh, you could say that the relationship with North Korea and the Olympics is uh, strange. Oh, like, I wonder why. Like, 2018 was kind of a bright point for them because it just showed, you know, whether, what, no matter how staged the, the crowds they had were, at least it was, like, on a more positive note because they haven't always had that. Um, in November of two, 1987, first of all, let me say that the Olympics were going to happen in Seoul in 1988. So, oh. the Summer Olympics. Ow. That one, see, that's that's the one that seems like that would be the most concerning. Like, if it was anywhere else, I'd be like, whatever. But, you know, that one seems like it might be a little bit, uh, you know, fishy. Yeah, it's kind of like putting, having a big keg party in the backyard of a policeman. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Wait, but... in the backyard of a policeman? Or woman. Police person. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, you know a police officer's house but you know okay like i i don't i just imagining a bunch of people like laying on a policeman you know with the keg <laughs> so in november 1987 two north korean agents planted a bomb on a korean airlines flight 
Flight 858 was traveling from Baghdad to Seoul with a layover in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> Can we talk Which about how like terrible the all those flight looking? of all time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I would I would actually guess there would be a bomb on that flight. I don't know <laughs> if I would have guessed the North Koreans would have done it, but I think when I, you get onto that flight, they just hand you a free bomb. Yeah. Instead you want of peanuts, sh- you get a little a little bomb. You want it in a shoe or a suitcase. <laughs> So during the stop, the two agents got off the flight in Abu Dhabi. While the plane was flying over the uh, Andaman Ocean or Andaman Sea, the bomb blew up and killed all 115 people on board. Oh, now I feel like an ass. Well, yeah, you should have seen that coming. The bombing was an attempt to either stop the 1988 Seoul Summer Olympics or at least cause enough chaos and confusion. That would would uh, would definitely hurt the South Koreans' uh, economy and the event. Um, so one of the agents that delivered the explosives, Kim, uh, sorry, Kim Hyun Hee, which I probably butchered that name, but you understand, uh, did an interview with the BBC. I was told by a senior officer that before the Seoul Olympics, we would take down a South Korean airliner. He said it would create chaos and confusion in South Korea. The mission would strike a severe blow for their revolution. So, yes, she's still saying it's a revolution, but that was over by then? I was going to ask, um, when did the uh, Korean War end? Because I didn't think it was going on in the 80s. Yeah, it ended in the, well, I mean, the... The our the the ceasefire was signed in the fifties, so it had been thirty years since shots were fired from this. So it's it's over. You can definitely tell. You can definitely tell who uh, who was the losing side and or you know felt to grasp the the uh, reality of the situation. Yeah, if you think it's still going on, then you probably didn't do too well. I mean, do you think like you know Cuba's still upset about the missile crisis? Probably, but. So Hyun Hee or Hyun Hee uh, was sentenced to death, but she was later pardoned by the South Korean president because he saw her as a victim of brainwashing. Uh, well, so which I clean. love that move by South Korea because it's such a slap in the face to North Korea. Like they're like, oh, it's okay, little girl, you were just brainwashed, and North Korea's like, no, she loves our country, and she's like, no, no, it actually was, I was brainwashed, that was my I, problem. I feel like they probably interviewed this person, and they probably said the most terrible, messed up things in the entire world, like, if you don't kill me, I'm gonna murder all your children and family or whatever, and then they're like, I think she's been brainwashed, and then they, like, let her go. Yeah. And, and, and like, it probably just messed with her so much, it, uh, it's like, um, I guess I'm just gonna, like, hang out here. You know, these people are, like, really nice to me, and uh, if <laughs> I was, like, back home, me? they would have, like, cool. hurt me, and, uh, you know, I have food here, and uh, um, it's nice. Yeah, so, so she ended up being pardoned. The Olympics returned to Seoul in 2018. This time it was for the Winter Olympics. In 2017, North Korea really ramped up its nuclear and bomb testing, and it conducted its six nuclear tests and several missile tests. Relations had gotten so toxic that South Korea was buying war survival bags to prepare for a possible attack. All of a sudden, at the beginning of 2018, 
tones changed between the two Koreas, and they met and decided how they would make the Olympics work. Now, when you say tones change, does that mean like they stopped playing like K-pop over their speakers that blared into the the demilitarized zone? Correct. They changed up the music. They made it into something really peaceful, and everybody made up Ooh. and held hands. They probably put some Backstreet Boys. Ooh, Backstreet Boys solve all the problems. So Kim Jong Un agreed and sent a delegation to for support, and eventually all scheduling issues, um, like when events would happen, what the attendance would be, all of that stuff was resolved before the Olympics ever started, making the Seoul Olympics in 2018 way smoother than the 1988 ones. And there's a reason for that. Uh, what I found as I was looking at all this stuff is Kim Jong-un, one of his things that he really wants is for North Korea to be like a powerhouse in sports. So any event that he can put them on an international stage where everyone's going to see it, he's going to set aside his differences to allow that to happen. And even though North Korea didn't do that well in the Olympics, they were, you know, they were respectful and their crowds were good and it, it didn't cause a lot of trouble hey, there. Here's my thing. Why doesn't he participate on every single team? Because we already know that he is the best athlete in the entire, you know, country. I mean, his dad played around a golf and shot at 18. How does that, none of that genetically, like, you know, rub off on him to where he can do the same stuff? He should be able to play a perfect game of bowling every time he touches it. He should be like the king at putt-putt. He should be like the best you know, archer. He should be the best at every individual sport there ever is. You know, team sports, you know there's other people that can fail you, but you know. Well, he has added into history books that he learned how to shoot a gun at age three and was driving off-road vehicles at age eight. So he's um, more of an extreme sports kind of guy. By the way, a imagining a toddler holding a firearm is like very terrifying and knowing him it was probably like a 50 cal pistol or something you say <laughs> that he learned to shoot which would make the kid fly up into space like <laughs> from the wizard of oz i'm imagining this kid shooting this gun the bullet like immediately shooting straight up in the air and this kid flying back like 50 feet like a cartoon or something Basically, it looked like when Will Smith shot that gun called the Cricket and Men in Black, where he just, like, flies oh. back into the windshield of a I, car. I pictured that, but with, like, a small, like, Kim Jong-un. Like, his face looks the same. He's got the same hair, but he he's wearing a, a diaper. Face. And he's just, like, flying, you know, up and up. Not up, but, like, just flying backwards for a comically amount of time. So, Actually, I'm imagining him what he looks like now, but wearing a diaper. Just basically say it. You're imagining him now, but like three feet shorter. Well, I mean... And in a diaper. I don't even know if it needs to be three feet shorter. He's pretty short. So most of the uh, Korean athletes are amateurs. In fact, before Reformation in 1977, professional sports and sports leagues did not exist at all in North Korea. This was the first time that athletes were paid for playing their uh, respective sport. I mean, in most dictatorships, they're not really paid anyway. They're paid with getting better stuff than other people and, you know, getting taken away from their families as small children. And to me, that's just payment enough. Like, why do I need a paycheck when I can, you know, get government rations and, you know, not getting to see my parents ever, ever again and, you know, feeling alone for the rest of my life? S sounds great. 
So one of the sports <laughs> Easy there, that Tony. So one of the sports that gained popularity from uh, this move to professional sports was football, or what we call here soccer. Did you know that we call it soccer here? Um, the only person I've heard it called soccer here are the uh, the old European uh, players who washed out of you know the the big leagues. And who are now slumming it with uh, the the uh, Americans over here? Hey, Wayne Rooney took the DC United from last place to a playoff spot in like two months because he's still that good. So. Which is which is really sad for American sport or American soccer, considering he w- was washed out of the Premier League and couldn't make his own national team, but yet he's just like murdering people over here uh, he's in dying. one of the largest market teams. Same with. Um, What's his name? Uh, Mr. Ponytail Swedish Man. Ibrahimovic? Yeah, who's over here, like, literally standing in one spot for, you know, three hours in a game and, you know. I was going to say, he can't really run anymore, but he still can shoot the ball when he, he needs to. He can run his mouth. So, there is a North Korean Premier League. It has 13 teams. And they have several national cups as well. So, um, I'm going to butcher these names, but it's not important what the name of the cup is. It's the funny thing is actually what these are based around. So, they have the Mon Gionde Prize, which was started in 2002, and it's in honor of Kim Il-sung's birthday. Kim Il-sung, and remind that's me That's the that father is? of Kim Jong-il and the grandfather oh. of Kim Jong-un. I, I should know that, you know. I, our dear leader is a dear leader. They, have the, uh, they also have the Pakistan Prize, which started in 2010 uh, to honor Kim Jong-il's birthday. The, Pajan- the Pachanbo, Pachanbo Trophy, no, sorry, the Pachanbo Torch Prize, which is to commemorate the Battle of Pachanbo, and the Osandak Prize, which is held in December, and it's for hockey and winter sports, but they added soccer to it as well. Why would you play soccer in the winter? Which, honestly, I really didn't think North Korea was in an area that really experienced any, like, seasons. But what would you say about the Pakistan prize? Like, that the, one seemed... The Pak Tusan or Pak Tusan prize. Oh, okay. And it was in honor of Kim Jong-il's birthday. It wasn't the Pakistan prize. Oh, okay. You said Pakistan, and I was yeah, thinking, well, like... It looks I, a lot like that, so it's very easy to mix Honestly, I was thinking there was some weird connection because, you know... Their uh, di- communist dictatorship thing, you know, Russia was that. Russia helped out Pakistan. Boom. Actually, then they helped out Afghanistan. Whatever. It's other countries. I don't need to learn about it. So, in 2010, the National Championship Trophy was renamed the Highest Class Football Trophy. Highest Class Football? I thought you were going to say Heisman for a minute. No. And teams are affiliated with parts of the government. So the teams aren't actually owned by individuals because that wouldn't make sense for communism. So it's owned by different parts of the government. So some of the teams uh, teams are owned by these, these groups, the Ministry of People's Security, the Korean People's Army, the Korean People's Navy, the Korean People's Air Force. And then there's some group called the Worker Peasant Red Guards that I didn't look into, but that name cracked me up, so I added it. Worker Peasant Red guards, like I feel like that includes several demeaning terms in it, and like I can't imagine being a guy. It's probably like the people who have to resort to eating their own families. It sounds survive. like poor people that were Star Wars fans. Yeah, it's like they're uh, like, hey, we love the red guards, so worker peasant red guards. 
Like, if you refer to yourself as a peasant, you know you're probably in a situation you don't want to be in. That is true. So, all of that sets up the basic structure and history of uh, the sports industry in North Korea. As I said, it's kind of bare, but it's still interesting that they have uh, professional leagues that most uh, communist countries, like, I don't think had, like, truly communist countries had. And so, but now we're going to switch subjects and talk about the best, the best athlete of, in North Korean history and his family, Kim Jong-il. I'm, I'm excited about this because I've heard, I've heard feats of this man. Like, I'm surprised he's not in the uh, Guinness World Book of Records, you know. So, Kim Jong-il played golf for the first time in his life on the championship course in Pyongyang. The course length is seven hundred or seven thousand and seven hundred yards, which is a that's a long course. Like that's a standard, long, decent sized course. That's like a, I'm trying to think. Is that like a par seventy two? Yeah, it's probably a par seventy two. To give you an idea, um, like the course we used to play at Oso is about sixty nine hundred yards. So this is a pretty lengthy course. Yeah, but Oso is a short course, is what I yeah, thought. Yeah, and Gabe Lozano is like seven thousand two hundred yards, so it's longer than both of those. So it's a good uh, size course. Well, uh, and and ninety nine percent of the people listening to this are gonna be like, "What the hell are they talking about?" Yeah, these no, are terrible public courses in uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. Um, but this we is one of those a lot. This is one of those moments where I'm like personally trying to explain it to you and just you and other people are going to have to hear it. But it'll be Well, fun. I mean, it helped quantify things in my head because I played at some other courses that were in that Oso range to where like I know what a really short course looks like. And then I played at some other ones that like I make a point of reading the uh, the, the measurements of the course to know what the difficulty is because I have no distance at all. Unlike our, you know, fearless leader, Kim Jong-il. So, yeah, so Jong-il shot 38 under par, according to North Korean media. Wait, what is a 38 under par if you were to do the... Uh, ooh. Is that, so like, par, par on every hole? Or, like, bog- a birdie on every hole? So, it's a 72 and 38 under par. It means he shot 34. Total for the entire yeah. round? Yeah. So that... That has to be like a birdie or, or par on every hole. That's like an eagle on every hole. If you measure it out, just... Uh, I, I, I don't... Because the thing is, the problem is you don't know how many fives or fours they had. I don't know if there's like a formula that if that's you have an a par 72... That's an average of like 1.9 shots per hole. So that's like two shots on every hole. The, oh my... Oh my... Oh my! Oh my, Lanta! Um, I I can't even like imagine. I mean, I can barely break a hundred, you know. So to imagine, you know, one in like two shots a hole, that's that's he, impressive. He was in the zone. They recorded that he made five hole in ones, and some news media outlets even said that he had eleven hole in ones in his first round. So, um, I will question this at, at fear of my own life. Um, he. How do you go from some people reporting five hole in ones to some people reporting eleven hole in ones? That's not like me reporting five and you reporting six. That's like a six point differential. 
I have no idea, but it happens that way I mean, sometimes. When your news media is only fed stories that the pol- pol- politicians want you to hear, I guess uh, well, you can just make up whatever you want. Can I say Maybe this, he got you know, drunk like in the evening and said the morning news reporters that he talked to, he told five, and then he got drunk on a on a like cognac or something and then started telling him yeah it was actually 11 hole in once i'm imagining him like drinking cognac now and like just swirling it around and like uh actually he was a big fan of uh what was he a fan there was a drink he was a big fan of i imagine liking something classy like brandy or cognac but it it wasn't classy i don't think cognac's actually that classy but Something that's like something in really one funny. of those rounded glasses that you have to like swirl constantly, which I'm pretty sure is just brandy. But Hennessy, he loved Hennessy. Oh, um, I'm surprised J.R. Smith wasn't the uh, ambassador for basketball then. Apparently, he uh, imported like one million dollars worth of Hennessy in one year. Isn't Hennessy like not even that expensive? Like it, it's just like top. Top shelf and the fact that they pay for the marketing aspect. I once I learned that like top shelf was just they pay for the marketing aspect of it because I'm pretty sure that Jack Daniels is considered top shelf and it is no way top shelf. Yeah, we all know that's not top shelf. Um, and then better whiskeys are not are like considered second shelf, like Bullet, which I think has a lot better taste. Um, and and well, in the fact that it doesn't make me like pucker my lips and be like this is sour you know kind of stuff um and also it doesn't cost like 20 it costs more than 20 dollars a bottle you know for a handle that's actually not a true price but so one of the funnier parts about this golf story is apparently after he finished that round he said that golf was too easy and he never played it again wow you know i i've only ever been on the opposite side of that where i might or might not have said some unsavory words in front of my parents that I had never wanted to ever say in front of my parents. And while I simultaneously slammed my club on the ground and got weird stares, you know, when I was only really like just doing a chip shot um, that I may or may not have sailed over the green by probably 50 yards. Um, Dear you God. Know, yeah, so I, I can't, I don't know. You know, I just admire his, you know, ability to to admit admit that it wasn't a challenge and to just move on like you don't want to do something that's too easy right you always want to be challenged in life true so that also explains why uh he quit bowling after he scored a perfect 300 in his first ever attempt at bowling I, you know, so this dude's like a natural athlete is what I, I'm learning from this. I, I'm impressed. Like I did bowling camp when I was a kid. Um, I was excited. I, I, I was so you mad. You realize cause... like this conversation's making you sound like the whitest kid on the planet, right? Um, well, I am the whitest kid on the planet. Well, I um, know that, but it's just, it's, it's, did you do a tennis camp too? Did you no. do a sailing why, camp? Why would I did do I did sailing, but that was okay. with the Boy Scouts. I got a merit badge. I did enjoy sailing because you know I grew up on the coast, so you know. Was it too I easy? The so you quit? No. Uh, what happened was we started off with sailing, and we had these slightly larger two-man boats. And I was like, I love sailing. It's fun. And I'm I'm an overweight kid. I was an overweight kid. And then they're like, Oh, well, you graduated to this next level. We're gonna put you on one of these little one-man boats. And if you're familiar with living on the coast, um, it's very windy. And so I was on a boat by myself as a as a 
fat kid, and I had Capsizing. to like literally lay on the boat, like lay down to like get around, not getting whacked in the face by the sail, or getting hit in the with the within the tummy, and then like tack out to the outside, and I just I couldn't handle I couldn't handle it, so you know that's why I gave up on sailing. And they had to, like, put me down a level to, like, hang out with the kids that have been selling, like, a week on the, like, slightly larger boats that were two people. Um, so that's my experience with selling. It was really fun, but um, I just couldn't handle all that speed, you know. I have a need for speed, just not in the water. So if you didn't hear Poe, the dog was trying to ask you a question, but I don't speak dog, so we're going to just go. Oh, I thought he was, you know, going to recite some um, dark poetry to me. About what I have under my floorboards. So, uh, during the 2010 World Cup, it was reported that um, Jong-il helped coach the team by communicating with the coach via invisible cell phone. A Whoa! technology that he Whoa! developed himself, according to what the coach told ESPN. And I, I, so here's my thing. Why do you got to lie and say it's invisible cell phone? Just say, like, <laughs> like so that you stupid. embedded, you know, um, like... Microphones like into their headbands, or that you gave them a shoe phone. Why, why do you gotta say just, invisible? Like not nothing's invisible. That I gave the coach tips during the 2010 World Cup. Like, yeah, after the games, he'd call me at night, and I gave him some tips. Why do you have to make it so ridiculous that you guys are walking around with invisible cell phones that no everyone knows clearly doesn't exist because invisible technology doesn't even come close to existing yet. Hell, you like, could have ridiculous. You could have made up a lie that you called the dude on a cell phone during the freaking game, and that would have been more believable than invisible cell phones. Is like when he has meetings, does he put his whole like you know advisory council in like a cone of silence? What a great, what a great tool to like get out of a conversation where you could just like reach in your pocket, grab air, and put it up to your ear and be like, sorry, I gotta take this and this, walk off. And everybody's like, oh, that's just his invisible Let's not forget, phone. this is a man who has his country believing that he does not poop or pee. Whether or not oh, yeah, that's a real he belief. Also, he I, also I, was born on the back of a unicorn. Don't forget that part. Wait, who? Ill? Kim I mean, Jong-il. on? There's a story Ill or on? he was like brought down to earth on top of a mountain on the back of a unicorn. So, like a, um... If anything, I would believe a toddler being brought down a mountain on, like, a goat. But uh, that's also very not believable. But, you know, a unicorn, which... I I have this weird imagery of a unicorn, because I don't know if you watch this show, but Legends... uh, The DC's Legends of Tomorrow on CW did a whole episode um, with a unicorn that will make you have a very different opinion of unicorns. Um, where it was a unicorn at Woodstock that was just like murdering people and it bit a dude's nipple off. That's awesome. You should really watch that show. It's pretty funny. Um, so my opinion of unicorns at the moment is not like a majestic beast, um, you know, carrying, you know, a saint down a hill, but it's about a demonic thing eating people's nipples and hearts. So I couldn't really fit this into the story very well, but I wanted to make sure I said it. Um, the coach of the women's team said that they got beat by the United States in 2011 because their players were struck by lightning during the game. <laughs> Couldn't really fit that into the narrative I'm trying to tell, but I definitely put P.S. Tell this oh story. Oh my God. They got struck through lightning through a building. 
Because you're not playing outdoors. Olympic hockey outdoors. No, this was soccer. This was oh, the soccer. 2011 World you Cup, said, the women's said, World Cup. Okay, so they were playing a game of soccer outside, and they all the goalie got struck by lightning, or you know they were yeah, all, they this, were all like, close enough together. Lightning that no one saw struck the players yeah. right when they were about um, to beat the United States, and all of a sudden the United States competed because well, of the lightning. Strikes. You know, to be fair, you know ball lightning exists. That's what people thought was UFOs for a while. So ball lightning exists. So how am I supposed to believe that that invisible lightning is not? Electricity is faster than my vision, right? You know, invisible faster. lightning. That's how you yeah. power your invisible light, phones. You know, faster than light. You know, my eyes can only process light at the speed that it's that it chooses to let me process it at. So you know, I blink. You know, an entire group of eleven people could have been struck by lightning. You know, and and everybody in the stands was also probably blinking or you know they just couldn't handle the 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 sheer speed of the the attack yeah it was that damn attacking lightning so one thing that connects kim jong-il and kim jong-un like you know as a father and son one of the things that they could actually bond on was they both have a love for the nba and um and basketball, and especially '90s basketball. I I really love that a shut off country from the rest of the world has their leaders obsessed with an American sport. That yeah, like they that's love the best. Them some '90s Chicago Bulls. Well, everybody loved the '90s Chicago Bulls. Like, you know, I I didn't even like basketball back at that point, and I like found myself being like a Jordan fan. And, and it was impossible to not also love Pippen and also not love Steve Kerr and also be confused by um, uh, Rodman. So, you know, there was there was a lot going on for, for the Bulls back at that time. Um, so Madeline Albright, who was the, um, you know, was the Secretary of State at one point, she presented Kim Jong-il with a basketball signed by Michael Jordan. Kim was also said to have owned a video library of every game Jordan played in. Wow. Like, I imagine this dude just rewatching like, the flu game over and over again and be like, that guy totally didn't have the flu. Yeah, he's... <laughs> yep, that's it. I bet he was sitting there watching it like, yeah, I bet that guy doesn't poop or pee. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's so obvious just like that, me. that all the excretions that, that Jordan had came out and just pure athletic ability you know some people have to like you know they have to poop some people have to be some people just transcend all that and they just can turn that into pure pure athleticism which is what him kim jong-il and what kim jong-un is doing now so this love of 90s uh, basketball and specifically the Bulls brings us back to Dennis Rodman and why the Dennis Rodman story is so, so are important. You, are you telling me that he only loves Dennis Rodman because he liked the 90s Bulls? No, but that was his. That was the way in. Like, do you that's think, the reason you, why he was so excited about Dennis Rodman coming to visit him. That's how Rodman got in was his love of the Bulls. Do you think he was disappointed that it's like, oh, it's only Dennis Rodman. I would have so much rather have been Jordan. And Jordan's like, I'm too busy owning a team and being Come on now. Manager. Honestly, think about it from this perspective. If I told you, hey, Michael Jordan can either come to your house and hang out with you for a weekend or Dennis Rodman could come over and hang out for a weekend, who are you choosing? Well, you know, based on the fact that, you know, there's this, like, um, 
rumor that uh, Michael Jordan is a huge gambler and his gambling is what causes his father to die and also for him to sit out a year, you know, that secret year. Um, I would probably pick Dennis Rodman because at least he's upfront about his ridiculousness. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking Dennis Rodman every time. No questions I mean, asked. I feel Dude like... He looks like he'd be way more fun than Michael Jordan. I, You know... Based on pure athletic ability, it's like you're 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 picking like talking to Wayne Gretzky or, um, I don't know, uh, or someone not as good, but it, it, <laughs> okay, it, um, I didn't have a comparison, um, but like Dennis Rodman does seem like he would be cool to hang out with just from this sheer aspect of he probably says some of the goofiest stuff in the entire world, so. Based on his, like, the fact that he was even willing to go to North Korea. But he probably knew he was safe the whole time. It's like, uh, well, you know, you're, like, a good 10 feet taller than everybody here. and uh, Well, not just that. People aren't going to know that Dennis Rodman disappeared. Well, to be honest. People might not care. When was the last time Dennis Rodman was in the news before any of this even happened? When he won the celebrity season of The Mole on ABC? He would win that, by the way. Dude, he was... he's Okay, I will say this about Dennis Rodman. He makes some weird choices and makes some dumb decisions, but I think Dennis Rodman is way smarter than most people give him credit for. Like, oh. I think the dude's actually a very, very smart guy that knows exactly what he's doing for the most part, but then drinks a little bit and does a little bit of drugs and falls off the deep ends and then does something really stupid that reminds people that he knows how to make a good old fashioned bad decision. You, you know, you, you wear one wedding dress and dye your hair bleach blonde and people think you're weird. So, uh, Dennis Rodman, 90% of your body. So Dennis Rodman labeled his 2013 trip as basketball diplomacy. Rodman, a Vice documentary crew, and three of the Harlem Globetrotters went to North Korea to try to bridge a gap towards <laughs> peace. Which uh, Harlem Globetrotters? Is it 18 guys or like, you know, the, 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 the uh, C team? Cause I'm I not didn't even... exactly, re- I don't remember which three specifically it was, but it was three of them that had been retired from the Globetrotters. Oh. Or, or maybe not retired, but they were the older group, like the 40-year-olds. Here's something that blew my mind that I didn't even realize is that the Globe Charters have like 30 teams at a time or something stupid like that. Now, I know it's not like 30, but like in your head as a kid, you're like, oh, it's the Harlem Globe Charters. You think you're seeing the same show that someone else is seeing, but they're actually doing a show at the same time like across the country with a completely different set of you know, globe charters and generals. Uh, hold on. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to figure out which ones went. I don't know if it matters, but we can, it doesn't really matter. They're probably not. Oh, here we go. I got it. Anyway. Uh, you got Anthony buckets, Blake's Alex moose weeks and William bull bullard. You know, I, I could picture the last guy actually having that nickname. Uh, okay. So, uh, many think that this was the first time that Kim Jong-un met with any American in a sort of official capacity. That's terrifying. Uh, if you, I don't know if you remember this, but I did. Most of the trip looked to be very peaceful and kind of scripted, and Dennis Rodman and the Kim Jong-un looked like they were having a blast. And Do you remember that when the footage came out, like how scripted everything looked? 
I mean, I think I remember seeing, like, clips of them just shooting around. Um, and I do remember hearing initially, like, how great everything was going. And then there was a really shaky moment. And that's where I'm getting to. So when Dennis Rodman returned, uh, at the request of a Seattle rider, he was asked to say something to Kim Jong-un about Kenneth Bay, an American Christian missionary that had been arrested and was uh, given hard labor in North Korea. Was he the one that like decided that it would be smart to like go into a uh, dictatorship and like protest stuff? Yes. And so um, Rodman tweeted and asked... Kim to do him a solid and release Bay. That was what he said. Like, Hey Kim, do me a solid and release this guy. Um, a few days after this, Rodman told everyone that he would go back to North Korea on August 1st and with the plan of rescuing Bay. He also, (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm laughing at the fact that this dude's last name is Bay. And I just said that Rodman was going to go rescue Bay. And I'm just like, it just cracked me up. I'm going to go rescue Bay and eat some hay. Maybe I'll lay by the bay and eat some clay. I don't know what if you you've say? ever heard that terminology, but some people call their like significant other Bay, and that's for stands for well, before anything else. I'm not else. Hip, and, hip and cool, and I'm also not you know a relationship guy so you know well now you know that's i just wanted to share why i thought that was funny i is that what you call is that what you call bethany you're like hey babe absolutely not i would punch myself if i said that i mean as long as you punch yourself and not her that's okay so uh he also criticized obama on tmz around this time and this is the quote that he gave tmz he said we got a black president who can't even talk to jong on Obama can't do shit. I don't know why he won't go talk to him. He carried on. Obama F him is what he finished the interview by saying. I mean, I say that fairly often, you know, mostly sarcastically, but also really. So thanks, Obama. Why don't you just talk to him and get this guy out yourself? That would have been better if in the quote he just said, thanks, Obama. (laughs) So one thing that Rodman also added in there was he said, I'm not a diplomat, which is something that he says a lot when he's talking about this. He always wants to remind people like, yo, I'm not a diplomat. I, I don't but think he, he does needs like to diplomatic things. I don't think like the fact that he took it upon himself to go to a country that we decided to sever ties with for for an actual legit reason. Like every president we've had has decided to put sanctions on on North Korea, which is usually a sign, right? Yeah, and and it, and and then he decides like I'm gonna go over here and fix things, but I'm not a diplomat. Like you can't take that upon yourself and then say every other sentence that you're not a diplomat when everybody knows you're that crazy cross-dressing dude who we probably think does hard drugs and still is like somehow successful at playing basketball, even though you've probably been addicted to something very heavy for a while. So it reminds me of that YouTube video of the, like the rap battle comedy YouTube video where the guy always starts out his like raps by saying, I'm not a rapper. I'm not a rapper. And then he like goes into some stupid light. It just reminds me that Rodman's always like, I'm not a diplomat. So Rodman did not actually make it to North Korea in August, but he did return to the country in September. So for him to return to the country, I'm assuming he can't just show up. He's got to like actually get invitation right oh yeah he has to basically i think he has to like tell the government like hey i want to come back and then come kim jong-un approves it and then you're good to go and you uh, have to get approval from the u.s too like he has to get approval from our government too so it's a a big song i wonder how far up that like 
ladder the thing has to go. It's, there's there's just some like NSA agent like sitting at his desk, you know, <laughs> ah, playing a- playing yeah. Angry Birds, and, and they're like, "Hey, I got a request from um, Dennis Rodman that he wants to go to North Korea." He like, pulls should out I a run this up the flagpole, <laughs> or should I just be like, "Ah, he's cool." And he pulls out I, a big stamp that says fuck it and just stamps yeah. the paper with that and puts it in the fuck it file. He's like, yeah. ah, who cares? I, no I like Dennis Rodman. He seems like a cool guy, you know. He was part of the Bulls. And then, like, he somehow ends up over there and, like, other people above the dude are like, what the hell, man? Like, you can't just let this crazy dude, like, with celebrity power go over to a, a country that we decided to, like, put a crap ton of sanctions on. So, while in China, Rodman said that he was there to fix uh, the U.S.-North Korean relations and to create a basketball league, but he essentially tried to avoid the topic of Kenneth Bay. Once he returned from the trip, he blew up at reporters asking him questions about Bay and claimed it was not his responsibility. I I think I remember that. Like, it's like he he shed himself in one light, and then when he came back, like, flipped out on people. It was really weird. Yeah, it it seems to me like he probably did ask something about it, and they're like, we're not going to do that, and if you ever want to be a, uh, be able to come to this country again, you need to shut up about it. And he's like, okay, I'm going to shut up about it. I got it. So Rodman would once again head to North Korea in January of 2014. CNN asked Rodman if he would bring up uh, Bay to, to Kim when they met, and he said, Kenneth Bay did one thing. If you understand what Kenneth Bay did, do you understand what he did in this country? No, no, no. You tell me. You tell me. Why is he held captive here in this country? Why? I would love to speak on this. So he basically just rambled at them. <laughs> well, I mean, if anybody is going to just ramble at people, I would put Dennis Rodman at one of my... He'd be on a list. If I was Schindler, like, and I was making a list, I would include him. So he apologized for those comments, even though they were incoherent two days later. Hey, can we we preface this by saying, what has Dennis Rodman said that hasn't, you know, been incoherent to a certain level? Well, he blamed these comments on stress and drinking. He said he had drank too much, he was stressed out from the trip, and he just kind of lost his cool. So this dude, like, would get back from, you know, an international flight, flying halfway across the country, or the world, world. And, and, and would drink on the plane, and then, like, do interviews immediately, and then, like, blame all of that when all of that was obviously his decision like if you're on a flight and you're Dennis Rodman you're flying from North Korea back to America like are you on a commercial flight I imagine you're probably at least on a semi-private flight look and, I'm not and, sure and, how the timeline of that work it's also out. like, like I don't know if it was a day or something but he said it was the drinking flight. that caused it it's a 12 to 15 hour flight like you could drink when you start taking off take a nap wake up and be sober like and then start drinking again. Yeah, well, and then apparently do interviews. So I took an Ambien because, you know, it's, it's acceptable now to take Ambien and say it's stupid shit. So he didn't know it, but he actually succeeded in freeing Bay. Uh, he did it on accident. So those last comments ended up going viral and then brought awareness to uh, the situation. And at a certain point, and I, 
Now, I just added this in there. I'm not sure if this was the exact reason why they let him go. But at a certain point, I think they thought he was more trouble than he was worth and just released him. Because now all the world was looking at this situation because of what Dennis Rodman said. And it's like, why are we going to keep this guy? Let's just get him out of here. Was was Bay the one that had medical issues? Mm Mm-mm. That was Warren B.A. that we talked about uh, earlier. I, I honestly don't remember them releasing someone who didn't have issues, though, like, medically. Like, them just releasing a perfectly healthy American citizen back and being like, Hey, look, we, we captured this guy because he put, tried to put up a sign that said, Don't litter. So, Kenneth Bay is actually doing really well now. Um, I don't, like I said, I didn't put this in here either, so I don't have specifics, but when I looked him up... He was um, doing a lot of philanthropic work and bringing awareness to uh, the situations in North Korea that he saw, and he's even written a book, so he's doing all right for himself. Why did you say all that like awesome stuff he was doing? Because I was gonna like make a really cheap joke uh, by quoting a TV show that we both watched, but now I can't say it because you just mentioned that he was doing some really good stuff. So even with that said, Kenneth Bay still like fully gives credit to his release to Dennis Rodman. I how like if I was that guy, I would literally just I would just reach out to this rod and be like, I love you. Can I have Thank you for being an idiot this one moment. Yeah, it's like I know that you're like some crazy alcoholic drug addict guy who likes to wear dresses. Yeah, he went into rehab like right after all these events took place. (laughs) Probably like he's like, man, I like drunk tweeted in real life, and uh, he was probably like, well, that one actually worked out, but he's like, nine out of ten times this is gonna go bad, so I better get help. He's like, remember that time I did that ambient on the flight home from North Korea, and then did press interviews and said a bunch of really like ridiculous stuff, and then somehow got a guy released from captivity (laughs) in the country that I didn't really actually know was there. Oh man, that was the stuff. He probably turned to his manager on that flight and was like, oh, I just took some Ambien. This flight's going to be great. And the guy was like, dude, we're landing in 30 minutes. And then that's why it was so incoherent. (laughs) I feel like like if Dennis Rodman were to ever say anything coherent, we should all run for our lives. Well, he does now. Like, we'll get to a comment from later, and it's a much clearer picture of what he's trying to say. Um, Also on that trip, the U.S. Treasury started investigating Uh, Dennis Rodman to see if he broke the law by taking the dictator thousands of dollars in luxury items with him. So he brought gifts. I remember that. Like, what did he bring him? Like, Hennessy or, like, signed basketballs? I I think Hennessy was a part of it. I don't remember what the I almost say Hennessy because of your thing earlier where you were like... I I feel like that was part of it, though. I just don't understand the the Hennessy thing. So on June 13th, 2017... Rodman returned to North Korea on what was initially described as a sports-related visit to the country. My purpose is to go over there and try to see if I can keep bringing sports to North Korea, Rodman said. He added that he hoped to accomplish something that's pretty positive. During the visit, Rodman met with National Olympic athletes, male and female basketball players, viewed a men's basketball practice, and visited a state-run orphanage. Uh, I feel like those are probably the same thing, though, you know. It's hey, you're an orphanage. You're going to play basketball now. So what made this trip significant was that Rodman actually didn't get to meet with Kim Jong-un on that trip. 
But instead, he met with uh, the nation's minister of sports and handed off several gifts for Kim Jong-un, including two signed basketball jerseys, two soap sets, a copy of Donald Trump's 1987 book, The Art of the Deal. And he also brought the Supreme Leader's daughter, daughter a Where's Waldo book and a jigsaw puzzle of a mermaid. <laughs> I I uh, especially like the uh, Donald it's Trump It's Santa book. Rodman. Ho, 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 bitches. I don't, I don't know if that's how he talks. <laughs> like, every time he comes, he's just bringing all these wild gifts. I'm well, sure the guy's daughter's ecstatic when he comes. He's like, yay, toys. Well, she's probably excited that, like, her, the only book she's gotten from the Western world is, you know, Where's Waldo? She just thinks... No words in it can't be yeah. corrupted. Yeah, she just thinks that, like... Every, I wonder if he actually took that into account, like... He's not gonna let her read like Peter Pan. Like I need to bring her something that doesn't have words, so you know, but still has subliminal messaging. Like, where's Nothing Waldo? That tells I mean, a story. Yeah, where's Waldo? Like, you know, he's in some pretty like you know hairy situations. Like, he's hanging out with a bunch of like hippies and astronauts, and you know, he's on a beach that's so crowded you can't bears. even move around. Yeah, I mean that just sounds terrible. I mean, I'd rather be somewhere where that's sparsely populated. And, you know, there's just nobody really around to bother me. So Rodman posted a video on Twitter that was recorded before he left for the visit in which he and his agent described the mission of the trip as, and this is his quotes, he's going to try to bring peace, or the, the agent's quote, quote uh, he's going to try to bring peace between both nations, Chris Volo said, referring to the strained relations between North Korea and the West Rama added that that's the main reason why we're going. We're trying to bring everything together. If not, at least we tried. We're trying to open doors between both countries. Just a little bit goes a long way. The visit was sponsored by the cryptocurrency company Potcoin. Oh boy, Potcoin, you know. Um, well, that's on, so, that, that's on the list of big up and comers. So if there's coin. like a rainbow and, and you find something at the end of the rainbow, would it be Potcoin? Definitely. That's what makes Dennis Rodman ecstatic. Is that the one that uh, Ricky Williams went on, like, uh, uh, the Celebrity Apprentice, like, saying that was his, like, thing he was involved with? Actually, Dennis Rodman and Ricky Williams are sort of kind of friends, so that would make sense if that's the case. Actually, I think that was, like, Weed Maps. That was the name of uh, the company that, like, gave Ricky Williams a bunch of money. When they had to like d- raise like funds for something, and like Frankie Williams literally made one call. It's like, yeah, hey, uh, I got five hundred thousand dollars from this company called Weed Maps, and everybody's like, John Lovitz is like, I called my grandma and she didn't give me any money. I don't but know she's why she's losing I know her this. mind, and I'm ripping out the benefits. I don't know why I know this, but I do know that John Lovitz was terrible at The Apprentice. Like, just got he was. Awful. I mean, like. I he's just like hey I'm John Lovitz I'm a birdie in a tree you like can't he was see like me. I can't raise any money sure I'm friends with all these famous comedians that were on Saturday Night Live and stuff but I can't raise one cent towards anything he's probably like I'm not gonna call up you know my my buddy um, Adam Sandler and be like hey man can I get some money from you and Adam Sandler be like oh no I don't John have John any Lovett money and you need Sandler. to stop it huh. That is not how John Levitt sounds, and you need to stop it. That was like his voice for one part of The Wedding Singer. And he's like, hey, I'm, well, what if he's over there like, um, I'm a birdie in a tree, look at me. I don't know. 
So Rodman's latest trip to North Korea was for the summit that happened this summer. And he said, because I think I deserve it. I think that I brought awareness to a lot of things around the world. And I think North Korea has given a lot of people this opportunity to do this conference now. And I hope it is a success. I didn't realize this was a, uh, this episode was literally going to turn into uh, Dennis Rodman. Where is he now kind of situation? Is that not the most like, isn't that so humble of him? Like I deserve this. I mean, you know, if, what I've learned from just listening professional athletes talk over the years is they are the most humble people in the world that just refuse to take credit for anything that 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 happens. Um, you know, they they are the most selfless human beings in the world. You know, I know he has all this athletic talent, but you know, because he has that athletic talent, he also deserves to solve all of the world crises because you know, being really good at basketball qualifies him for that. So the Washington Post has researched and posed the question on whether or not the White House has any involvement in what happens during Rodman, Rodman's visits. But everyone involved has denied any connection, and I guess we'll see what happens in the future. I, if I was the White House, I would totally involve, it, or uh, not involve, I would totally just not acknowledge any relationship I had with Dennis Rodman. And it's like, hey, um... I mean, whether or not they do or not is is not the the case because I don't agree or disagree. But like having that plausibility of being like, we're sending this really crazy guy over to talk to you guys. So if things don't work out, they don't work out. If they do work out, then whoa, they will actually work. I see it as he already kind of has his foot in the door. So if anybody's going to be able to talk to anybody to them over there, that's going to be Dennis. Rodman. Yeah, but Dennis it's crazy Rodman. that. The hopes of peace between two countries might rely on Dennis Rodman, but hey, that's where we're but at. But do we want to make peace with them? And and also, Dennis Rodman strikes me as that kind of guy who who puts his foot in the door, and then you slam the door, and he just like leaves his foot there, and it's like all broken and battered, and he just refuses to move it. And he's like, hey, let me talk to you about this. <laughs> well, in summary, that is how North Korea... And connects to the rest of the world when it comes to, to sports. It's amazing that a lot of it relies on Dennis Rodman, but in terms of like the growth of basketball in the country, it relies on Dennis Rodman. I really thought that was like a whole like ten year ago, ten years ago thing. I didn't realize that was a, still a relevant story. Yeah, it's only been five years. Five years, ten years, thirty beers. What's the difference? I think the most shocking thing in all of this is still the fact that hockey is as popular as it is over there. The very first fact that I dropped out was still my most shocking. I mean, I didn't know they had enough, you know, fresh water to even make an ice rink. Salt water hockey. <laughs> um, uh, hey, um, El Presidente, that's what I'm assuming they call, you know, Kim Jong-un. It's uh, not. <laughs> it's like, hey, man, um... This ice is completely frozen. It's like, oh, yeah, we had to use uh, salt water. Um, you know, our filters were broken. Oh, okay, well, so why do we still got to wear blades on our feet? Oh, because it looks cooler. Oh, uh, well, you know, we're just, like, sliding in, like, rubber and coils. Yeah, I know. But, yeah, and I do agree with you. I, I do just think that if the White House has any involvement, I don't... Maybe I'm being... Um, like naive here but i don't think we should be that upset about it because like i said if rodman 
has the connection to be able to get anything done over there, just depend on Rodman because nobody else is going to be able to build that relationship. He's like the get smart guy. Like I imagine them like lying to him and saying like, we put a phone in your shoes and he's over there like holding his pair of Jordans. Yes. I'm accusing, an invisible I'm accusing uh, Rodman of wearing, uh, well, he's just holding his, a banana to his ear and he thinks it's a phone or something, which he probably would do back in the States. And he's like, Hey man, like, I'm over here with the Koreans and you know I'm like a monster I'm like three feet taller than everybody else over here and you know I am also the only person that's good at basketball so I'm going to show them how to play basketball and teach them about politics and then like someone talking back to them be like hey um I don't think you know anything about politics and be like yeah I know basketball basketball and politics are the same thing it's basketball diplomacy yeah Basketball politics. All right. I'm going to close out the show for this week. Thank you for everybody that listens. Maher, you have any final thoughts about North Korea? That was the end of it? That's it, yeah. That kind of just was like, hey, let's talk about this. Oh, and it's over. I'm I'm disappointed. I'm sorry I didn't have a big, like, fireworks ending for you, but... I I need fireworks. I need hydrogen bombs that don't land at where they're supposed to land. And I need uh, former professional basketball players who are crazy. That's what I need in my life. And, you know... Give Draymond Green 20 years and he'll be over in North Korea trying to help um, to you. I, I really think at some point we should just send, uh, run our test to different countries and let him talk it's to people. It's meta-world I mean, peace. Ah, uh, I forgot. Well, he can just drive his golf cart to wherever country... Wherever it is, what con- whatever continent it's on, and he can talk to them about politics and basketball and solve all of our world problems. But I, 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 I think it's hilarious that it's somehow Dennis Rodman. But it's funny because it literally could have been a lot of other people because there were so many people. Like professional sports transcend politics in a way, and well, it could have at least been like. 12 other people that played yeah. for the 90 that, Chicago Bulls. The, Apparently that's all it took to get the conversation that's the that's, started. That's the thing that's ridiculous about it. Like if it had been like Scottie Pippen, which I don't really know anything about his political views, but I, at least he doesn't come off as, as as much as a crazy person. But the dude who literally has magazine covers of him in a wedding dress is the guy who's dealing with one of the most dangerous countries in, in the entire world. Not because of the fact that they actually have the ability to to do some of the stuff that they're trying to do, but because they've been actively trying to do it for so long that eventually at some point they're going to figure it out, right? If you try to build nuclear missiles for 50 years, at some point you're going to figure it out. True, and they did. Well, well I mean, they us- did, but they can only launch them, like, you know, into the middle of the ocean. Or maybe that's just what they want us to think, and they're just going to, you know, bomb Guam and Ryan. Okay, well, before this becomes a conspiracy theory podcast, let us know what you think at Turdy for Turdy, and we'll be back next week with another fun topic to discuss with you guys. What's more fun than professional basketball people? Bye. Uh, Whatever. Whatever.